Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 19. We're going to begin reading with verse 28. Luke 19, verse 28. If you can, you can stand with us uh, as we honor the reading of God's Word. If you can't, we understand. Verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up <clears throat> to Jerusalem. And it came to pass that when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said to them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, why loose ye the colt? And they said, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Father, we thank you today. Your word is living. As the rain comes down from heaven and the snow and waters the earth and causes it to bring forth and bud, so shall your word be that goes forth out of your mouth. It shall not return to you void. We're grateful today for the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. Today, as we begin this Holy Week, it's referred to as Palm Sunday, also as the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. There's just a few things that I want to bring out this morning about this passage of Scripture that we've just read. 
I also want to share with you, Lord's willing, uh, a prophetic word that I believe that God spoke to me as I was reading this and studying this and preparing for today. We preach this passage of Scripture every year. And sometimes after you preach it so many times, you say, God, I did that last year. God, I, I, I preached that before. And, and you, you struggle to find stuff or material that's fresh. And so it was this week. And I even debated about going another route. Uh, but as I began to pray and began to study, Holy Spirit just began to, I think, download in me some some things that I believe today that uh, are very relevant for where we are today. And I believe there's a word in this this morning that, uh, that McCullough Christian Center needs to hear, as well as those of you that might be guests or whatever. So I just want to share what the Lord has began, uh, been dealing with me about. And I want to focus this morning I want to focus on a couple of things. One of the things that I want to focus on today is the crowd of people that were there when Jesus came into Jerusalem. What is the significance of Palm Sunday? Why is it so important to us as Christians? For one thing is that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And he was beginning his final week on this earth. He was coming in and he knew in coming into the city of Jerusalem that his days were numbered. He knew that his time had come and that he was about to be introduced to the cross of Calvary. And so he came into the city of, of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. Uh, I want to say this. Why did Jesus do that? Why couldn't, he have just, why couldn't he just walk into the city? He walked everywhere else. But this time he rode on a donkey. Why did he do that? A donkey... When a king rides on a donkey, it is a symbol of peace. When a king rides on a horse, it is a symbol of war. Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And it was a symbol of peace. But here's something else that I believe is very important for us to understand. The triumphal entry or the entry by Christ into Jerusalem was action. It was not spoken by words. When Jesus rode in, he rode in silently. He didn't say anything. He didn't speak any words. He rode in silently. I believe that the reason that Jesus, one of the reasons that this took place was that it was an action 
that, that was expressing to the crowds what words had been unable to express to people. I want to say that again. I believe that Jesus coming into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, the symbolism of peace, him being hailed as king, him being worshipped, him being uh, exalted as king, Messiah. I believe that it was an action for people to look at and see. And the statement that was being made without the use of words was what the words that he had been speaking to people had not been able to accomplish. Let me explain that. At this time, Jesus was around 33 years old. He had been in public ministry for a little over three years. He had preached to the multitudes. Miracles had taken place, signs and wonders. People had been raised from the dead. But yet, there were people who still refused to acknowledge that he was the Son of God. He was being rejected and coming into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, was, was beginning the climax of his ultimate rejection. But yet he was still trying to display and declare to a generation of people that he was the Son of God, that he was who he said he was. Zechariah in chapter 9, of verse, uh, verse 9, had prophesied hundreds of years earlier when he said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem, for behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The prophets had prophesied. They had declared, there's a king that's going to come into the city of Jerusalem. He's going to be riding on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. He's going to be riding in. He's coming in in peace. He is bringing salvation. He is bringing hope. Zechariah didn't know that when he was prophesying this, that at the time that Jesus would ride into the city of Jerusalem, that, that the, the city of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, would be under the bondage of the Roman Empire. He didn't know that. But here, Jesus was riding in to a city that was filled with people that were bound under the, the authority and the hand of the Roman Empire. They were oppressed they were in slavery. They were in bondage. They were hungry for freedom. They were searching for something that would set them free. They were looking for somebody, a king, that would come in to the city of Jerusalem that would bring freedom and liberate them from the oppression of the Roman army. Many that were in that crowd that day 
were hoping and believing that perhaps this man that was riding on the donkey was going to be the king that would finally set them free. He was going to be a warrior king that would come in and bring freedom and liberty to them because of their oppression. But when he came in riding on a donkey, when he came in as a humble servant, it didn't register good with those that were looking for an earthly king. There was a crowd of people there. The Bible says there was multitudes that came in with Jesus. And there were also multitudes of people that were already in the city of Jerusalem. Thousands of people, not, if not millions of people, were gathered in the city of Jerusalem during this time. Because it was the time of Passover. And Jews from everywhere would come. Just bear with me. I'm, I'm building something up. We're going to get there. I'm just trying to get you to understand the, the impact of what was going on. There were thousands of people there. So what better time for Jesus to come in and, and declare his authority, his lordship. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 7, that is they brought the donkey and the colt and put, they put uh, on the back of the donkey their clothes. They, they spread their clothes so that Jesus could sit on the back of the donkey. And then the crowd that was there, they began to spread their clothes down on the dirt, on the road, for the donkey to walk on as Jesus was coming into the city of Jerusalem. The Bible says they spread their clothes on the, on the ground and, and others cut branches off of palm trees and, and laid them on the, gro- on the ground uh, for the donkey to ride on. Others took branches of palm trees and began to wave them in the air and, and exalt Christ. There were crowds of people in verse 9 that went before him and that followed him and, and they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. The Bible says that they, they shouted, they worshiped. I can see as the crowd of people lined both sides of the street. And as Jesus was riding down the road on this donkey, and they began to shout Hosanna. That word Hosanna means save now. Save us. Deliver us. Bring healing to us. And all these people, and and true enough, they were all needy people. All of them needed God to do something in their lives. And they were shouting and they were worshiping and they were exalting him. Saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, waving the palm branch, branch which was a symbol of victory and peace. I want you to get this picture. And they were worshiping him, the Bible says. In the book of John uh, the, the Bible says that they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. This story is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
and John. So it lets us know that there's some important things there that we need to see. But the Bible says in, in the book of John, chapter 12 is the story of the triumphal entry. But the Bible says that in verse 15, these words quoted from the Old Testament, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. The Bible says in verse 16 that his disciples did not understand these things at first. But after Jesus was glorified, they remembered and they understood what he was saying. It goes on down in verse 17. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason that many of them were there because they wanted to meet him that had done such a thing. They wanted to meet the one that had brought Lazarus from the grave. So I've said all that to say this. Thousands of people lining the road as Jesus was coming into the city. There were many different ideas of who Christ was in that crowd. There were many different opinions of who he was in that crowd. There were some there, the Bible says that they came into Jerusalem with him. They had followed him because they had seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. They were there perhaps the day that Jesus stood in, the, in, the, uh, in front of the tomb of Lazarus and heard the word Lazarus come forth. They were there and they witnessed the fact that when they rolled the stone away, instead of seeing a decomposing body, they saw a man that had been raised from the dead. They saw a man that was still wrapped in the grave clothes. And they heard the words of Jesus when he said, loose him and let him go. They were there. They watched it. They saw it. They witnessed it. And so they were following Jesus as he was coming into the city of Jerusalem. And they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save now. Worthy is the Lord, the King of Israel. But then there were probably others that were there and they were just curious because they had heard about this man called Jesus. They had heard all the commotion and so they were mixed into this crowd as, as Jesus was riding in and, and perhaps they were just watching. They didn't really know they had heard about Jesus but because the crowd was shouting Hosanna, they were in it too and they were shouting Hosanna and perhaps even they were raising or, or waving a palm branch. And then there were others in the crowd that hated Jesus with a passion. There were those in the crowd that despised him. They didn't like him. There were Pharisees and religious people that were in the crowd that because Jesus was upsetting their way of doing things, they hated him. 
Jesus wasn't rejected by the lost world. He was rejected by the religious world. You hear that? It wasn't Pilate and the Roman army that put Jesus on the cross. It was the religious world that put him on the cross. Mm. They were in the crowd. They were probably the ones that were standing on the edge of the road with their arms folded, looking like they had been sucking lemon before they got there. I'm not going to praise. I'm not going to worship. I'm not going to give him glory. I'm not going to call him Lord. I'm not going to say Hosanna. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to stand here and be rebellious. So they were all in this crowd. The Lord began to deal with me as I began to study that. And he said, I want you to warn people about the crowd that they're in. He said, I want you to let them know that there's good people in the crowd, but there's also people in the crowd that would desire to shut them up and to stop them. If there's ever been an hour that we're living in and the crowd mentality the mob mentality has surrounded the church. And we've become so mixed up with the crowd. We've been so affected by the crowd that many of us, it's robbed us of our praise. So I want you to, do you understand about the crowd? It was a mixed crowd. There were some good folks, there were some bad folks. It was a mixed crowd that were standing there that day watching as Jesus came in to Jerusalem. Many of them had witnessed with their eyes, many of them had heard with their ears, and others were just there out of curiosity. But I can't help but believe that there were those in that crowd, and I, and I want to narrow it down, there were those in that crowd that day that they were worshiping him because they knew him. They knew him. They had relationship with him. I, I really believe that in that crowd somewhere, Lazarus was there. And I believe that Lazarus had his palm branch. And he was waving it back and forth because he knew if it had not been for Jesus, he knew that he would not be able to be there. And so when he was waving that palm branch, he was, he was shouting victory. He was saying, Hosanna, you have already saved me. You have already delivered me. You have already redeemed my life 
from destruction. I had been marked with death. But this one that's riding on this colt coming into the city, he is truly a king. He is coming in. He is truly the Lord of Lords. Lazarus was there. I can't help but think that perhaps the couple was there that had gotten married in the book of John when they ran out of wine in, 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 in the, at the wedding feast. When they made a boo-boo and didn't plan for the crowd of people that was coming and they ran out of wine. And probably they were there because they remembered this man that's coming in riding on the donkey. He turned water into wine. Can't help but think that perhaps the widow from the little town called Nain. It's about like being from Uriah. She was from Nain that had the son that had died, Winston. They had him in a coffin walking down the road to the place of burial. But this man stepped in front of the procession and touched those that were carrying the body of her son, stopped him. Please listen to what I'm saying. I'm not just trying to make filler. I'm not, I'm not just trying to, to fill up a few minutes. I want you to get what I'm saying. Jesus stepped in front of the procession, stopped him, raised this young man out of the coffin. Dead body, lifeless body, heartbeat that had ceased, blood flow that had stopped. Jesus stood in, the, in front of that young man and raised him from the dead. I believe that mama was in that, in that crowd of people that, that day as Jesus was coming into the city. And she remembered that Jesus had done something that nobody else could do. And she was worshiping. She was giving him glory. She was magnifying the Lord. And then there was the woman of Samaria where Jesus had stopped and told her all that she had ever done, changed her life. She was in that crowd, probably. And then the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years that couldn't go out in public because she was ashamed of what was going on in her body. She was probably there worshiping because Jesus had stopped the flow of blood. Perhaps, Brother Larry, there were some Larry Johnsons in that crowd that had had a death sentence given to them by the doctors. But Jesus, 
Perhaps there were some of you that were in that crowd that you recognized that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, you would not be here today. Perhaps there were some of you in that crowd that people had said things to them that had wounded them and cut them to the very core of who they were, that, that abused their spirit, that broke their heart and broke their spirit, and they were in that crowd because somewhere down the line, Jesus had walked by their life and touched their life and made them whole again. Perhaps there was some in that crowd that were singing, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. They were in the crowd. They were there that day. They were clapping, they were worshiping, they were exalting Him because He had touched their lives. But there were others that were there. They were not there because Jesus had touched them, Brother Larry. They were not there because they had been redeemed from their sin. They were not there because Jesus had raised them from the dead. They were just there. But can I tell you something this morning? You've got to be careful of just being there. Because if you're not careful of just being there and not being a participator in what God is doing, you have to be careful because the, the other side of the crowd will pull you on to their side. Then there were those that were there that wanted to stop the praise. Say whatever you want to, just quit talking about Jesus. You can worship any God you want to, just don't worship Jesus. You can talk about any book you want to, just don't talk about the Bible. You can talk about the Quran, you can talk about all this other stuff, just don't talk about the Bible. You can talk about how sweet the Spirit is, just don't talk about Jesus. You can talk about how good God is. Just don't talk about Jesus. You can tell me all day long how much you love me, but don't you dare tell me that I'm a sinner. So they wanted to stop the praise. The Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 19 and verse 39 that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said unto him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. <clears throat> I'm going to stop right there. I'll kind of dig around that a little bit. Can you imagine 
Brother Jesse, being raised from the dead, and me walking up to you and saying, Brother Jesse, you need to tone it down some. You're a little bit too loud. Brother Jesse said, I'm used to my wife doing that, but, but when you start talking about shutting down my praise... So you see what they did is they looked at Jesus and they weren't talking about the ones that were just there in the crowd. They were talking about the ones that were vocal with their worship. They were talking about the ones that were not ashamed to declare that he is Lord. They were talking about the ones, perhaps, that didn't fit in with the rest of the world. They, they, were, they were talking about the ones that had problems when it comes to political correctness. Jesus, will you rebuke them and tell them to be quiet? I want you to hear what Jesus said. He answered in verse 40 of Luke chapter 19. He said, I tell you that if these were silent, that the very stones would cry out. I want to say that again. I'm going to come down here real fast, okay? Jesus, tell them to be quiet. When I read that, Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, that is what's going on in 2021, that the world, listen, and I'm not being, I'm just being honest. We've got preachers today that will stand and hold hands with those in Planned Parenthood and bless Planned Parenthood that is murdering and killing millions of unborn babies every year. Preachers. We've got pastors that will stand on the political stage and say it's okay if you want to get an abortion I don't care what color you are black white red or yellow you're wrong we've got ministries today that will open up and anything and everything can come in and it's okay you walk down the streets of our city and ask 95% of the people, are you a Christian? And they will tell you yes. We're in a world today where the church, not the world, the church has okayed everything imaginable. We have okayed everything. That is the reason that coming to a town near you, very soon 
that there will be those that will stand and say to me, you cannot preach like that anymore. If you do, we will sue you. We have lost our ability to use the voice of God to direct a lost and dying culture. Now, the lost and dying culture, their voice is louder than the voice of the Christian, and they are directing culture. That's the reason that you can see garbage on Facebook like you just saw a few days ago where Nike is putting out a tennis shoe blessed by Satanist with human blood in the bottom of the shoe. Rebuke your disciples. Tell them to be quiet. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that I believe that God holds me responsible for those that I put into office. I believe that my vote, God holds me responsible. And I want to tell you something this morning, that it is time for the body of Christ to rise up. It is time for us to get up. And, and, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But I want you to understand that we're in a very small season of time. That if we don't realize what's going on in our culture, we're going to lose the ability to do anything, to say anything, or to have any impact on our culture. And I'm on a rabbit trail. But I still see him, so I can't leave right now. Rebuke your disciples. Shut them up. There's a king coming down the road. There's a king riding into the city. There's a deliverer that's riding into the city. There is one who can set you free, that can raise the dead, that can deliver the sinner and change your life, that is riding down the road. But shut up and quit talking about your worship. We don't want to hear your praise. The reason we don't want to hear your praise is because we don't want the king that's coming down the road. Jesus said this. Everybody say, he's going back up on the stage. (laughs) Jesus said this. I tell you, if they are silent, that the very stones will cry out. Mm. I read that the other day, and it hit me like a ton of bricks because I had never recognized what I saw. 
You know what I believe? I believe the reason that the nearer to the coming of Christ that we get, the more earthquakes that are taking place, the more storms that are taking place. I believe it is because there's a lack of praise coming out of the mouths of the children of God. Because Jesus said if they are silent, he said the rocks and mountains are going to cry out. So in that crowd, in that mixed crowd, they were raising the roof with their worship and their praise. But there were those there that wasn't praising, and then there was others that were there that were saying, rebuke your disciples, tell them to be quiet and to hold their peace. You might say, nobody will ever take my praise. You might say, nobody will ever get me to be quiet. I will worship him. You might say, there will never come a day when my mouth or my lips will be closed in worship to Christ. If you move just about four and a half days down, that was on a Sunday. By that following Thursday evening, The worship, the praise had been silenced. Hear what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says in Luke chapter 23, in verse 17, Jesus was in front of a mockery of a trial. They were mocking him. There were false witnesses gathered. They were lying on him and all of these things. He was standing before Pilate. Pilate was wanting to let him go. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 23 and verse 17 that the Jews had of this thing that that they must release one person, one criminal had to be released on the feast day. So now we have this picture of Jesus over here and this one called Barabbas, which was a criminal, which was a murderer, uh, insurrectionist we have Jesus over here and Barabbas over here when Pilate said surely 
to himself, surely if I put the two of them up in front of this crowd, surely this man called Jesus, who has never hurt anybody, who's gone about and lived his life loving people, helping people, strengthening people, surely they'll say, give us Jesus. But they, he didn't know the power of the demonic realm that was stirring in that courtyard that day. The Bible says that the crowd began to cry out, Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Away with this man called Jesus. Away with this one who delivered from sin. Away from this one who raised the dead. Give us Barabbas. Now, Where is the Hosannas? Where is the king who has come to us? Where are those that are saying, we worship you, Lord? I know it's quiet. Pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm going to bring it around. Just a few days ago, it was Hosanna in the highest, waving the palm branches, worshiping, clapping, exalting him. Now, there's not a voice of a worshiper to be heard. Read the stories. There's no one in that crowd that would stand up and say, this man is innocent. No one in that crowd would stand up and say, do you not know that this is Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God? No one in that crowd that day would stand up and say, I was there. He raised me from the dead. It was silent. See, the worshipers had been quiet, quieted, and Hale's voice became loudest. Praise had been silenced, and mockery was all that was heard. Now, I struggled with this. I, I, I struggled with this, and, and the Lord said, I, I knew I had to say it. God said, son, I want you to see the, prof the prophetic application of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I want you to understand that he came in and there were crowds of people that were worshiping him. But when it came to the cross, there was total silence. 
where they had laid their garments on the back of this donkey and laid their garments on the road as the donkey traveled across and walked on their garments. Now, now they have stripped him of his garment. And now they are betting and casting lots over his garment. Where just a few days ago, he was the king. Now he's been mocked, spit on, laughed at. I want, to, I want you to know this morning this word that God is speaking to me. I can't talk for pastors across this nation. I can't speak to churches across this nation. But I am responsible to speak to this body of believers. And I am speaking to you today. And I'm giving you this word. I'm giving you this word of warning and of caution. That you do not need to allow your godly voice to be silenced any longer. We have been told... You can't talk about Jesus on your job. You can't mention God here. You can't mention God there. We've been told you can't wear your Christian t-shirt here and all of that. We've given in. We've allowed these things to come and we've tried to be uh, compliant and all of that. But the Lord is dealing with me and I'm not calling a rebellion I'm not telling you to take up arms and begin to to fight. I'm telling you to get in your prayer closet and begin to understand that there's a war that is being waged against your praise and against your worship. And if we continue to go like we've been going and close our mouths and become onlookers, You see, the very ones that had worshipped Jesus on his triumphal entry stood at the cross and looked on. And the Bible says they opened not their mouth. They didn't say a word. I want to read that to you in Luke 23. Jesus said, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And and they cast lots to divide his garments. And listen to this. And the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the crowd was silent. The worshipers were silent. This is the word that the Lord 
spoke to me, and I believe it's, I believe it's a prophetic word. The Lord spoke to me and he said, the time of silent onlookers has opened the door of evil and deception in the land. God said, where is your voice? Where is your praise? Where is your worship? God said, have I not given you a voice? Have I not given you worship? Have I not called you and anointed you to make a difference in the world? Have I not called you to be light in the darkness? Have I not told you that you are the salt of the earth? Didn't I not tell you that you were a city set on a hill that could not be hid. He said, children, recognize that the voice of evil and deception has come to quiet your voice of worship and praise. The Lord said, those that do not have a firm foundation in their relationship with me. Those who have just a form of doctrine. Those who have just been acquainted with me, but do not know me, are going to find themselves being affected by the evil and the deception because their voice will be silent. God said, raise your voice, lift up your voice, cry out to me, worship me, don't be ashamed of me, don't be afraid of what people will do to you, because I am your God, I am your healer, I am the resurrection and the life. God said, where is your voice, where is your praise, where is your exaltation? And that is just a little snippet of what took place when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Everybody worshipped, everybody praised, but just a few days later, nobody worshipped, nobody praised. Jesus was crucified on the cross of Calvary. You know what I believe, though? I think that little by little, one by one, piece by piece, person by person, God is injecting into people a boldness. I've said this before. Jesus left this earth, sent Holy Spirit back on the day of Pentecost. And I've said this before, that I believe that many people have looked at the Holy Spirit. They've looked at the gifts of the Spirit, and they said, that's not for me. I don't want any part of that. And they've rejected 
the very things that God gave the church that the church could be overcomers with. But I believe in the hour that we're living in today that people are going to all of a sudden begin to realize I need everything that God has to offer. I believe that people are going to begin to realize that I need the gifts of the Spirit. It might sound weird to you when I speak in tongues, but so be it. Because God gave it to the church to empower her, to enable her, to equip her, to be that voice in the hour. Listen. What's happening is that the enemy is trying to quell the voice of Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you today that I believe that God is about to put a bullhorn to some people's mouths. And they're about to begin to declare that my God is able. So I want to tell you today... Don't put your palm branch in the closet right yet. Don't, don't put your Hosanna on the shelf right yet. Because I believe, and I'm declaring this morning, that there's a Hosanna that's coming out of the voice, out of the mouth of the church. I believe, listen, there were people there that day when Jesus came in and they were waving their palm branches and had no idea why they were waving the palm branch. But I believe that revelation is coming to the body of Christ and we're going to recognize that when I begin to wave my hands, I'm waving in victory. I'm shouting in victory. I believe God is giving that back to the church and the church once again is going to rise up a triumph body, a triumphant bride that is not afraid, not ashamed of their God that will love him and exalt him. So the time is now. It is not tomorrow. It is not next week, but the time is now. If you want to get in on what God is doing, it's time now. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I know uh, in, in church time, we still got 10 minutes. Listen, just kind of give you a little, little ins, uh, foresight. Revelation chapter 7. Verse 9, the Bible says, John said, After this I looked, and behold, there was a great multitude that no one could number. And everybody's singing, it's beginning to rain. <laughs> he said there was a great multitude that no one could number. They were from every nation, they were from every tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out with a loud voice. <laughs> Listen. 
the enemy might think that he is closing the mouth of worshipers. But there's some worshipers that he is not going to silence. The Bible said it's not just one or two, but there's a bunch of them. And they're from every tribe. They're from the Creek tribe, the Cherokee tribe, the white tribe, the black tribe, the green tribe, and the other tribe that we don't even know about. And I shouldn't have even started that. But I'm telling you, they're going to come from every corner of the earth and they're going to exalt the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, they begin to cry out saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Somebody needs to give this word to the dummy that put that on Facebook yesterday. Your tennis shoes ain't going to walk through that. Because salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So I'm telling you this morning, in order to get ready for that day, you need to get ready now. You need to get comfortable with saying, Lord, I worship you. Lord, I exalt you. I magnify you, God. You need to get comfortable in lifting your hands. You say, oh, pastor. You're trying to make me like you? No, I'm trying to make you like Jesus.